On November 1st, 1962, Adolfo Constanzo was born in Miami, Florida to 15-year-old Cuban immigrant Delia Aurora Gonzalez. Shortly after Adolfo's birth, his mother moved he and his brothers to San Juan, Puerto Rico, where she would remarry. At a young age, Adolfo was baptized Catholic and served as an altar boy, but would accompany his mother on trips to Haiti to learn about voodoo. He would grow up watching his mother, who was a practitioner, place hexes on neighbors and leave headless chickens and goats on the doorsteps of her enemies. In 1972, a 10-year-old Adolfo Constanzo and his family would return to Miami, Florida, and his stepfather would die shortly afterwards. And in dying, the stepfather left some money behind for the family. It would only be a few years later when Adolfo, as a teenager, would become an apprentice to a local sorcerer and begin to practice a religion called Palo Mayambe. Palamanyambe is a syncretic religion that incorporates the animistic religion indigenous to the Congo region of Central Africa that was brought over to the Americas during the enslavement of Africans. This is the base of Palamanyambe which incorporates this Congo indigenous religion with the colonizers of Cuba who were Catholics as well as Spiritists. Spiritism is a science dedicated to the relationship between spirits and human beings. It is not the same as spiritualism. Palamanyambe teaches the existence of a creator deity named Nisambi or Sambia, who is uninvolved in human affairs. Central to Palo is the Nanga or Prenda, which is an iron cauldron into which human bones, sticks, and other items are placed. Male initiates of Palamanyambe are called Paleros, while female initiates are called Paleras. This iron cauldron of which these sticks, bones, and other items are placed into is believed to be inhabited by the spirit of a dead individual who becomes the slave of the Palero or the Palera. The practitioner commands the Nanga to do their bidding, typically to heal but also to cause harm if they want. The spirits that are primarily designed for benevolent or kind acts are baptized. The spirits that are designed for malevolent or evil acts are left unbaptized. The Nanga, the spirit, is then fed with the blood of sacrificed male animals. Various forms of divination are employed to determine messages from the spirits. Palo is most heavily practiced in eastern Cuba, although it is found throughout the island and has spread abroad, including in other places of the Americas, such as Venezuela and the United States. Many Paleros and Paleras also practice another Afro-Cuban religion known as Santeria. While practitioners of Santeria use animal parts in their rituals, Palo practitioners use human parts stolen from grave sites. Practitioners have repeatedly clashed with law enforcement for engaging in grave robbery to procure human bones for their nanga. It would not be long before both Adolfo and his mother Delia were arrested numerous times for theft, vandalism, and shoplifting. Adolfo would be expelled from prep school but would still go on to graduate high school. Now an adult man, Adolfo moves to Mexico City, Mexico. It is in Mexico City where Adolfo Constanzo met three men, Martin Quintana, Jorge Montes, and Omar Oria. These three men would become followers of Adolfo and the four of them together began to run a profitable business casting spells to bring good luck, which involved expensive ritual sacrifices of chickens, goats, snakes, zebras, and lion cubs. Their clients were rich drug lords and hitmen who enjoyed the violence displayed during Adolfo's ceremonies and rituals. Not only were drug lords and hitmen piqued by Adolfo's talents, but so were wealthy members of Mexican society, including high-ranking corrupt police officers who introduced Adolfo to Mexico City's drug cartel. The Gulf Cartel is named as one of the cartel groups Adolfo was associated with. 
And this cartel had an international network ranging from Europe to West Africa to Asia to Central America to South America and the United States and were known for drug trafficking, protections rackets, assassinations, extortions, kidnappings, and intimidating citizens. Needless to say, Adolfo had some pretty serious clientele in high places who were turning to Adolfo's talents and dark magic for protection against the law and to make them invincible. Adolfo and his followers raided graveyards for human bones to put into his cauldron and before long, his cult decided that the spirits of the dead that resided in the cauldron would be strong enough to protect the cult if live human sacrifices were made instead of using old bones. They believed that this would grant them the immunity needed from law enforcement for their drug smuggling operations. This resulted in the cult killing more than 20 and up to 100 victims whose mutilated bodies were found in and around Mexico City at a later time. Adolfo believed his magic was responsible for the success of the cartels and with this he demanded to become a full business partner with one of the most powerful families he knew which were the Cadalza family. When this affluent family rejected Adolfo's demands, seven of their family members just magically disappeared. Their bodies would later turn up with the fingers, toes, ears, brains, and even in one case, the spine missing. In 1988, Adolfo and his cult moved to Rancho Santa Elena, a house in the desert of Tamalupas, Mexico, where he carried out more sadistic ritual murders sometimes of strangers and other times of rival drug dealers. He also used this ranch to store huge shipments of cocaine and marijuana. Adolfo soon made friends with a new cartel named the Hernandez Brothers and would begin mentoring a young woman named Sarah Aldrite. Sarah was an exceptionally tall woman with long brown hair and an athletic boat. He introduced her to witchcraft and dark magic and gave her the name La Madrina which is Spanish for godmother, and initiated her into his cult. Sarah became the high priestess of the cult as well as second in command and overseer of Adolfo's followers while he was shipping marijuana over the border into the United States. At that point, Sarah Aldrude was leading a double life. By day, she was a friendly and courageous cheerleader and honor student at Texas Southmost College and a practitioner or witch by night. A former associate and classmate of Aldrete would later go on record to say that Sarah was in her anthropology class all semester. She was an A student, always present, always friendly, and that she never saw her wear any emblems, amulets, talisman, any signs of black magic. The former associate said she was trained to watch for such signs, but she never even heard Sarah ask a weird question, even when they discussed weird religions. And yet every night Sarah was driving across the international bridge in her new Taurus to her private room at her parents' home in Montemoros, Mexico, and praying before a blood-splattered altar. Sarah would go on to take part in a human sacrifice ritual where she personally selected a man who had insulted her, lured him to the ranch, and supervised a slow death that included the cutting off of his nipples with scissors and boiling him alive. At first, the victims were selected from the ranks of enemies, such as rival drug dealers or dirty cops who had gone back on an agreement. Strictly business. Elio Hernandez was named executioner priest by Adolfo. Elio's role included branding the arms, chest, and backs of victims with a red hot knife. 
He was said to have cut out one rival's heart while the man was still alive. The planned execution of a Matamoros cop named Sauceda produced fireworks when Sauceda pulled out a gun, and Elio had to shoot him before the ceremony began. The cop's sudden and untimely death left the gang without a victim to sacrifice. Elio sent three of his men out to grab the first person that they could find, who happened to be a 14-year-old boy looking for his lost goat. They threw a gunny sack over the boy's head and took him to Elio, who promptly decapitated the boy with a machete, never bothering to look at his face. As the headless body flopped across the floor, Elio was struck by something familiar. It was the boy's gray and green football jersey. Terror flooded Elio's dark eyes as he reached for the gunny sack. He had just executed his very own nephew. Best friends Mark Kilroy and Bradley Moore had been talking about spring break since the start of the fall semester. At least twice a week Bradley called Mark and Austin or Mark called Bradley and Brian and they talked about the deeper meanings of life, beer, girls, the beach, the Miss Tanline contest, and nights across the border in Matamoros. Mark was a junior pre-med major at the University of Texas and Bradley was a sophomore electrical engineering major at Texas A&M. Before college, they had been basketball teammates and good buddies at Santa Fe High. Both had made the spring break scene at South Padre Island the previous year but not together. For Bradley Moore, who had just finished his exams the previous day, spring break started Friday, March 10th at noon. That was when he left his mobile home and Brian and drove his Mustang to Austin to pick up Mark. Then they headed for Santa Fe, where they would rendezvous with two other old pals, Bill Huddleston and Brent Martin. After enjoying the beaches of South Padre and his Miss Tanline contest, the boys headed to Matamoros, Mexico and spent the next day wandering around and enjoying themselves. Mark's friends witnessed him saying goodbye to a girl from the Miss Tanline contest and then Mark asked his fatigued friend, Bill if he was alright, to which Bill replied that he was just tired and not in a partying mood before he went to relieve himself behind a tree. However, when Bill went back to join their other friends, Mark was not there. Mark had vanished. The three friends searched for Mark until long after the bars had closed and the streets had emptied, but it was as if Mark had just dropped off the face of the earth. It was around March of 1989 when Adolfo's entire process escalated and he decided that the cult needed the power of a brain. And chance would have it that that brain would come from 21-year-old University of Texas at Austin student Mark Kilroy, who was vacationing during spring break in Matamoros, Tamalupas, Mexico. They drove through the back streets of Matamoros and passed an industrial district. After a while, the number of small bars and vendors' huts began to thin out and newly planted fields scratched off into the distance. The country air smelled musty and overused. There was a quarter moon, and by its light, Kilroy might have had a chance to see that his kidnappers were his very own age. Seraphine Hernandez had graduated from Nimitz in 1986, the same year Mark graduated from Santa Fe. Both of them had played baseball. They could have been on the same field, playing by the same rules. Around a long sloping curve, the car turned onto a narrow dirt road that sneaked between two cornfields. Presently, the car's headlights caught a barn with some farm equipment on one side and an irrigation levee on the other. The gangsters left Mark Kilroy handcuffed in the backseat of a suburban. He didn't see them again all night. An aging caretaker came around after dawn and gave Mark something to eat, some eggs, bread, and water. 
Roughly 12 hours after Kilroy's abduction, a dull boy and his disciples came for him. They wrapped duct tape over his eyes and mouth and took him across a field, his hands still cuffed behind his back. They then guided him through the door of a shed where the air smelled like rotten meat. It was early afternoon, the time of day when the boys would have been drifting down the beach to watch the Miss Tanline contest again. Whatever was going through Mark Kilroy's mind, whatever he imagined would be his fate, it was not nearly as terrible as what actually was about to happen to him. On March 14, 1989, Adolfo and his cult kidnapped 21-year-old Mark Kilroy. The cult took Kilroy back to the Santa Elena Ranch tortured him, sodomized him for hours before murdering him in a human sacrifice ritual with a machete and then removed his brain and boiled it inside of their cauldron. The cult then inserted a wire through Mark Kilroy's spinal column, amputated his legs at the knees, and buried him at the ranch. The murdering and human sacrifices of Mark Kilroy and many others led Adolfo to believe that he was invincible. At this point, Adolfo and his cult were practitioners of Palo Mayambe, Santeria, Aztec warrior ritual, and blood sacrifices. On April 1st, 1989, Serafin Hernandez, a cult member and the nephew of the leader of the Hernandez family drug smuggling network, which had hired Adolfo to use black magic to bring them profit and protection, he drove right through a police roadblock. Apparently, he actually believed that the magic potions Adolfo had sold to the drug dealers had worked. Hernandez thought that he was both invincible and invisible to the police and led the police directly to Rancho Santa Elena where officials found a large stash of drugs and guns. Mexican police initially picked up four of Adolfo Constanzo's followers including two of the Hernandez brothers. Cult disciples who were arrested began to tell police about the human sacrifices at Rancho Santa Elena. Within a week, authorities discovered multiple mutilated bodies on and around Rancho Santa Elena as well as Adolfo Constanzo's cauldron which contained various items such as a dead black cat and a human brain. Mark Kilroy's family would put up $15,000 as a reward for information on the whereabouts of their now missing son. However, with the exception of a Galveston County inmate who tried to extort the Kilroys for ransom, Nobody claimed the reward or provided any information and people who had came down from their mountain villages or even traveled hundreds of miles looking for lost loved ones seemed to go unnoticed as they would stand on the sidewalks in front of funeral homes, not sure of what to do next or standing in small groups at the ranch as the search for more bodies continued. By Friday, the fourth day after the initial discovery of the bodies, the story had lost steam and dropped off of page one in the newspapers. In the shadows of the sacrificial shed, while bulldozers and backhoes excavated the putrid black soil that had been the devil's graveyard, a priest prayed. Nearby, a woman from Ejido Ramarino waited with her two sons, watching and wondering if a 16-year-old friend from her Ejido would be amongst the victims. And Ejido is a tract of land held in common by the inhabitants of a Mexican village and farmed cooperatively or individually. 76-year-old Hidalgo Castillo wondered the same thing about his 52-year-old son, Moses Castillo. Moses lived in Houston, but once a year he went to Ejido Morelos to work his cornfields. He had disappeared in May of 1988, and in light of all that had happened, his father had feared the worst. Unfortunately, he was right. 
Just two days later, Mexican authorities found the bodies of Moses Castillo and another man in shallow graves just across the highway from the ranch. They were victims number 14 and 15. In the lobby of Amatomoro's funeral home, Isidoro and Ericardo Garcia waited while one of their daughters slipped behind a curtain to view the remains of a boy who had been decapitated and whose lungs and brain had been cut out. Devout evangelicals, the Garcias worked a farm just two miles from Rancho Santa Elena. Their 14-year-old son, Jose Luis, had vanished on February 25th of 1989, just three weeks before Mark Kilroy had disappeared. There had been no press conferences for Jose Luis, no rewards, no attorney generals, or network TV. The Garcias didn't even have enough money to buy a body bag to bury their son if the body behind the curtain proved to be their son. Unfortunately, the family was able to identify Jose Lewis by his favorite football gray and green shirt that he was wearing. Jose Lewis had been the nephew of Elio Hernandez, who had been killed by Elio Hernandez. The bodies of Mark Kilroy, amongst 27 other mutilated bodies, would be discovered at Rancho Santa Elena. When police raided Adolfo's Mexico City home, they found a hidden torture chamber and a large stash of pornography, but no sign of Adolfo Constanzo himself. He had fled to Mexico City with four of his followers. Police were going door to door in a Mexico City apartment complex in search of a missing child when the unexpected occurred. Machine gun bullets started flying everywhere. What had happened was Adolfo mistakenly believed that the police had located him, but they had no idea he was even in the building. Adolfo, in total panic, opened fire with a machine gun and began tossing bundles of money out of the fourth floor window. This action brought in police reinforcements. Determined not to go to prison, Adolfo handed the gun to follower Alvaro de Leon and ordered him to open fire on him and his bodyguard turned lover, Martin Quintana. By the time police reached the apartment, both Adolfo and Quintana were dead. De Leon, known as El Duby, and Sarah Adridi were immediately arrested. A total of 14 cult members were charged with a range of crimes from murder and drug running to obstructing the course of justice. Sarah Adridi, Elio Hernandez, and Serafin Hernandez were convicted of multiple murders and were ordered to serve prison sentences of over 60 years each. De Leon was given a 30-year term. And if co-leader Sarah Aldredi is ever released from prison, American authorities plan to prosecute her for the murder of Mark Kilroy. As for the Santa Elena Ranch, which is dubbed the Devil's Ranch, it remained a citadel of black magic until there was a proper purification ceremony conducted by a shaman one quiet Sunday afternoon. Law enforcement then stepped in to burn the entire shed to the ground, and rightly so. From altar boy to the Matamoros serial killer cult leader, this is the story of Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo. For more discussions of conspiracy theories or odd and unusual things that happen on this planet or in outer space or anywhere, please like, comment, and subscribe. I will not let you down. Also, what are some conspiracy theories you would like for me to talk about? Because I've heard a lot, but obviously I haven't heard them all. Please comment down below and let me know.